0: And welcome to the Santa Clarita Valley Leadership and Business Solutions webcast. My name is Paul Raggio.
1: And I am Lisa Raggio, and we are very proud to be partnering with The Signal to be bringing regular conversations with business leaders, community, stakeholders to give you lots of great information to help you navigate through uh, the pandemic and other business challenges that we have. And We are um, going to have a really important conversation today. We're going to talk about a couple of things, but one of them is fresh off the heels of our recent executive roundtable and one of the modules that we talked about that was diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So it's going to be an important conversation. We want you to stay tuned. Uh, But before that, Paul has some
0: information to share. We have a great offering for you, and it's called the Business Health Checkup. Uh, and we provide you with the checklist and it will go through every part of your business from your vision, uh, your financial reporting, to your teamship, to what you're offering, the guarantees you may have. And there's anywhere from 60 to 100 questions depending on the questionnaire we provide you, but it's something that you'll certainly get value out of. And once you fill out the questionnaire, you provide it to us, and then we sit down and we'll talk through some of the challenges you may have noted on the questionnaire, and it's about 60 to 90 minutes in duration, and it's complimentary; it doesn't cost you a thing. So it's well worth your your while, as well as we assure that you're going to get value out of it.
1: Agreed. Take us up on our offer. <laughs> well, good. Well, we're going to start a conversation that we started um, really in and at the end of May last year. And that's when, uh, with the murder of George Floyd, what we were experiencing, Paul and I, ourselves as business owners, as organizational leaders, and talking to our clients about um, navigating through really hard but important conversations, and uh, to today, and what it is that we can do together to be making real and substantive change. So Paul, I don't know where you wanna kick, kick us off in this conversation, I'll kick it back to you.
0: Yeah, just a little bit about experience. So I, I led a company as a CEO and then uh, grew that into a business unit and had multiple companies under my leadership. We had 2000 employees in 41 different states and so Our focus really did look at the composition of our workforce and and took into consideration the diversity, equity, and inclusion within those in the workforce. And it was something that I can tell you from an executive and a leader in the organization that this is so important. And it's a matter of just understanding it and bringing it to life within your DNA or the corporate DNA, and it exists within your culture. So it's something that may be very difficult at times to discuss or work with within your organization itself. But I've got to tell you, it's so necessary. And if the CEO is not bought into this, you'll struggle. You'll struggle within the organization itself about even the ideology associated with. Diversity, equity, inclusion. And then this add on to it, which is very important, is belonging. It's just, it's much more than just inclusion. It's belonging once you are within, invested in an organization itself.
1: Yeah, we're going to share some research that we've come across that really um, emphasizes the belonging to it and creating substantive ways in which we can make this impactful and going beyond what has been. HR compliance, um, but really addressing what we can as business leaders. Paul and I get really passionate about this because um, we don't take for granted the impact and power of leadership. We play often a, a video by Bob Chapman And he emphasizes the difference between leadership and management and talks about how, yes, we have been in the midst in the last year and a half in regards to a public health crisis, an economic crisis, racial and social unjust crisis. And he talks about leadership crisis, a leadership crisis in which we're really not leveraging and maximizing the power of our leadership to make an impact on the people that we lead and emphasizes the point that the people that we lead go home to families, friends, and, um, they're different based upon how they have been treated at work and how they find value in their work. So I just want to go back, um, you know, to May, June of last year and share Paul for a few minutes to set the tone and context of you and I personally, Mm -hmm. and what we made a deliberate decision to do, uh, Mm -hmm knowing that we had clients that we could very well not bring up what was going on. We could just be focused on business and the business at hand and the organizations, Uh, but we knew and we both discussed it. We have to bring it up. Weren't quite sure what we were going to say, how we were going to say it, other than we need to check in with our clients and say, are you bringing this up? Are you having conversations about this? You don't have to have, Um, things figured out per se, but you can at least create a space in which your people can share some things. And I remember a very poignant story from one of our clients in which he said, much like uh, a lot of our clients, and I think reflects other business owners, we don't talk about this stuff. I haven't brought up stuff like this before. The people, our staff, they don't probably don't really want to talk about this stuff. They just, they're very productive. They want to do their work. And I remember you and I walking by, uh, his office and he stopped us and he said, I just want to tell you something. Um, I really appreciate you influencing me to talk and share and say, I want you to bring up anything that comes to mind in this. And he said he had a woman of color who worked for him, who was able to really share her experience in feeling overlooked and marginalized. And opened this door for him to say, hey, I, I want to I want to be a part of the solution for this. So do you remember that?
0: Yeah, and it was a great example of just the importance of being able to look at what's happening in today's world and how it relates to your business or work environment. And don't for one second think that it doesn't touch your employees. It does. And it they bring it to work and there may be some frustrations or uh, responses that would be important that you get out of them in terms of this subject. And it can only happen if you're truly interested in talking and getting, uh, you know, getting their perspective and then being able to talk about it without Feeling so uncomfortable that you think it's a subject that's taboo that you can't look this is the way it's going to be in the future we're We're a blended society racially ethnically uh, with gender I mean there's so much that's blended now that we have to have an understanding of cultural differences and the impact it has not only on the personal life but on the business life that you're uh, either sharing with them or providing for them in terms of going forward. So that's why this, this subject is so important, because it it really does deal with how you communicate with the workforce and understanding, you know, their their relationship and positions of what's going on in general in society.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and one of the first things that we did around that time was under our, Women Empowering Women in Leadership, our we Will initiative, we thought we, we really need to take an opportunity to, to listen and, um, and educate ourselves. And so we had invited someone who is a subject matter expert in regards to um, allyship and how we can be building societies, mm-hmm. communities, um, workplaces that are more centric to being an ally. And then most recently, um, we had one on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And we've heard a lot about DEI in the last, I would say, handful of years. Belonging has really become more of a, uh, it's more dynamic in regards to what are we really hoping to achieve? And we had this conversation at the Executive Roundtable that belonging as an example is one in which, you know, we've emphasized inviting people to the table, right? And and we have to go beyond welcoming them to the table, but really creating a space that's psychological safety in which they feel that their voices can be heard, that their voices matter, and that they're valued. And that's where the belonging takes place. And, and we know, Paul, just in working with, um, we're Simon Sinek fans, <laughs> we reference him a lot. And the work that he's done in regards to best practice and culture and organizations tells us that, you know, we look at trust and cooperation as being um, pillars in regards to building good teams. What he's emphasized in the last handful of years is this concept of belonging, and um, how we once we believe that we belong to a system or an organization what that does in regards to our, our commitment, to our loyalty, uh, to upholding the values of the organization and moving it towards its vision. So that's really important. And the good news is that is that there's research out there now that we can look at to emphasize how can we create these work cultures of belonging. And we're going to talk about kind of going through what you could actually do, start to think about to implement.
0: hmm we we like to also break down the differences between management skills and leadership skills and so this whole ideology of DEIB falls within the leadership arena and it means that the you know there's risk associated with anything that you do in terms of leadership there's risk associated with this but you have to you have to be able to enter the arena and dig into this with your people It uh, it just becomes so important. And I do wanna compliment the College of the Canyons. Last month, Jeffrey Forrest, uh, the Vice President of Economic Workforce Development, he hosts a monthly business alliance networking group. And within that, he invited uh, two guests from Princess Cruises to talk about this subject. And I've gotta tell you, it was just a powerful 45 minute session about what Princess Cruises is doing post uh, the George Floyd incident, that that they really relooked their whole DEI and then B effort within their whole business lines. And it became so instructive to us, some of the novel things that they're doing to really approach this subject and from the top leadership levels all the way down to uh, the people working within the ships themselves. So it it was enlightening. It was certainly valuable for those who were uh, in the network itself and listening to them. But I encourage you to, if you have the opportunity, take a look at that recording if they have that.
1: Yes. And Paul, you bring up, um, I'm glad you brought it up. I was on that call too. I was really impressed in regards to how they're approaching this again, going beyond what's been on the surface for a number of years, as far as an initiative, but embedding it. That's, that's a word that I have seen over and over again in the last several months, as we've researched what we need to do to be helping our clients navigate through this is embedding it within their organization. Um, So it's not set apart like a silo that we go over there and check in and do it, that it's integrated, fully integrated. Mm-hmm. And what you talk about is, and they, they said that too on the call, they talked about how what they've done in the last year to really embed it and create a framework that works. And so one of the things we would encourage our listeners to do is, well, first of all, as Paul just mentioned, is start to listen and be open to what in our own community is being done as far as education. Uh, regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, a lot of them are going to say DEI. We add on belonging because our research tells us that that is um, where it's trending and we should be looking at the significance of belonging. So be open to that and start listening to it. And, and your people, they may not say anything to you, but our experience tells us it matters. I know several friends, color, uh, friends and colleagues of color who told me, I'm hanging on with this particular job and position until this, when when we're over a certain period, I probably will look for another place to work because my employer never addressed it. it. Wasn't because they were negative or had a disagreement in it. There was never even a conversation. And that mattered to them. That mattered that they didn't feel checked in with. So one of the things we came across was this article and it's written by Iiko Bathia and uh she wrote uh, it was on may 30th of uh, 2020 so 2020 she wrote a letter called a letter to corporate america and in there uh, she talks about what we can do 11 action items so to speak in which organizations can really start to what we call make a framework And and you can even go to the LA Business Journal and do a search on DEI framework. And you're going to start to see some examples of what organizations are doing to create going beyond a symbol and really getting into the work of embedding diversity, equity and inclusion and belonging into the organizations. So we would encourage you to look that up and um, it's it's very i mean she, the first two paragraphs are very uh, moving in regards to her she is a woman of color mm-hmm. and she talks about the significance of why it matters and that hopefully this will be the time in which our organizations will make real change and permanent change mm-hmm. and then um also just looking at the dei framework so before we before we go on to talking about just some bullet points that are going to be helpful to you and how you think about a framework Mm-hmm. Paul, what was some of your your top of mind thoughts in regards to that article, A Letter to Corporate America?
0: Yeah, I, you know, the, the thing that I recognize the most is, is that many companies, and it doesn't matter if you're a law firm, we've talked to a couple of law firms, or CPA, or if you're a restaurateur. Or if you have a hair salon in downtown Santa Clarita, it doesn't matter. This topic is relevant to you and your business. And, and that's what I'm thinking all the time now is that we've we've heard responses from uh, you know, some of the surprising responses. We've talked to a couple of law firms, large law firms, they don't even t- touch the subject. They don't want to discuss it. And so it just brings to mind that there's some resistance in this whole area that we have to break through. And that's why we associate it with leadership. Leadership has to deal with challenges. What are you doing today to overcome challenges that you're presented with? Some of it is out of your control, but it doesn't mean that you ignore them. You, You have to be able to address them and then address them appropriately Within your business environment, because what this does, it really does strengthen your culture and you strengthen your culture and it has a productivity impact on your business. Absolutely does. So my type of mind thoughts are is that the the author of this article that Lisa's talking about really gives some uh, great examples of how you can get involved and and taking the first steps uh, to stepping into the arena on this this set of things. So I think it'd be instructed to go over some of that, Lisa.
1: Yes. Well, I, the um, what she talks about is the beginning stages of setting up a framework. So there's details out for those 11 action items. First and foremost, it's about making it a priority and going beyond, again, that, oh, we have an initiative, but really looking at how do you make that a priority? And is leadership really fully invested for the, they're playing the the long game. They've said, yes, we are going to do this and we're going to do whatever it takes in order for that to happen. So it's commitment, it's strategy, and it's congruency. And so that means that, you know, the, the leaders need to be all in and not be saying one thing, but then be avoiding or distracted by other things that continue to make DEI be something on the side. And and part of it is really encouraging the companies that if you're not going to make it a priority, then wait until you can make it a priority so that you can have an all in commitment to it. So first it's, it's making a priority. Then it's in regards to looking at your people and really looking at, um, the individuals and the teams, because we know Paul and I know very well that there's a big difference between working one-on-one with people and working with the teams. There is something that happens in regards to group dynamics and are your people ready then to be committed with leadership Um, and what do you need to do to ready them? So it's not saying, well, they're not ready, so we're not going to do it. It's taking an assessment and saying, okay, if they're not, why not? And how can we identify those gaps and look for ways in which we can create a pathway forward for there to be a culture and a team committed to that. Um, and then we want to also look at intention. That's a big word that we keep on coming across embedded within the organization belonging and being intentional and deliberate in what you're doing. You know, Paul and I said that even, even what we did with the executive roundtable, we know and we feel, you know, these can be very hard conversations. Um, and we could either pause and say, well, we're not quite sure. We're awkward. We're This is uncomfortable. And we made a decision to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, but be intentional in our commitment to having first these conversations in which people feel heard. So I just want to pause there, Paul, before we go into process and look at first identifying the priority of it, and then mm-hmm. looking at our people and any thoughts that you had regarding those two areas.
0: Yeah, two words come to mind to me, ben, and especially as a leader of an organization, is that you have to be genuine and you have to be authentic. You, you have to believe, just imagine, if your business truly embraced diversity and uh, that it was equitable across the board, it didn't matter where you were, but that there was a spirit of equity within the organization and your workforce was confident that there was equity. And then that they felt included, that you valued what they brought. And, and again, one matter which stratification in your business that was felt that it, it's just something that organizationally and the culture itself, it's felt that you're included. And then this concept of belonging is, is once you're included, it's like any team. Wouldn't matter if it's a sports team or a hobby and a hobby team or your golf team or anything else. If you feel included in the team itself, and then you have a sense of belonging, you become vested. I mean. You you establish loyalty, you establish commitments, you establish this emotional commitment and relationship to the team members itself that becomes highly productive. And it gives you the ability to achieve things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to achieve if you were on your own. That's why the importance of this subject and bringing it up as a leader. But uh, being authentic and genuine really are two words that. I associate with this because as a leader, you have to believe this. And if you don't, it will stumble within the organization. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's part of making it a priority and first looking at the commitment of leadership and being congruent. And I can't help but think about, um, you know, I have several takeaways, but I always mention one in regards to working with the military and um, serving military and first responders for more than a decade now. And as you know, Paul, very well, with your 26 years in the military, it's a very diverse culture, very diverse. And my greatest takeaway, and I think that every organization could stand to learn from this, is when they have said to me, I don't, ha- I didn't have to like or love my brother or sister. I didn't have to uh, like them, love them, but I had to have their back and they had to have mine because we're going in and we got one team, one fight, one mission, and we all want to come out. Uh, And I, I, I say that over and over again, I know I sound like a broken record and it's something, when you were talking and I thought "It, it applies to this, it applies to this. And if we all thought that way and thought, you know what, don't, don't have to like you don't have to love you, but I have to have your back and you have to have mine because we're in one team here one team. And for, for organizations, it's one team, one vision, one mission. We're all going towards that. And how do we get the best out of our people so that they feel invested and belong and want to achieve that?
0: Um, so I wanted to mention that. And then- Yeah, the military has done an awful lot of work in this area. And, you know, the, the military is nothing but a reflection of our society at large. And so they, they have purposely focused on this. And in fact, there, there were a lot of rest- restrictions imposed because of gender. And uh, most recently they started to open up the combat arm breaks to women and, and they made the testing for it gender-free. If if you could perform the requirements associated with the job itself, then you were allowed access to that job, which which was monumental in this institution. Now it doesn't mean that there aren't growing pains associated with it. But it's certainly headed in the right direction in terms of neutralizing some of these barriers that have been present and imposed in the past because of own personal biases or societal biases that in that place them. So we've seen the military make a, a significant move in this area. Still a lot of work to do, but again, it's it's truly a reflection of society what's going on. But I, I believe our senior leadership in the military now is genuine and authentic when they say that they want to eliminate these barriers. It makes for a better uh, army, makes for a better overall defense of our country when we do this.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. So we talked about priority, we talked about people, And then last is process and processes, because that's where you hit the boots on the ground. And I think it's going to be interesting in a minute, Paul, for you to talk about how, you know, we talk about leadership and management. So as we're examining the priority, which is leadership, the people, which is leadership, and then we look at the processes, which is management, because if you're going to think it at the top and you're going to be committed at the top, but it's not going to transition into anything in action again, now we're not talking about the real substance of change that needs to happen. So when we're looking at processes, we're looking at the recruiting process, mm-hmm. the hiring process, the onboarding process. We're looking at performance measurements. We're looking at promotional. We're looking at succession planning. So you get down to the, uh, we, we talk about this a lot, you know, the ability for business owners and organizational leaders to be looking from the 30,000 foot view down to the 15 foot view Mm -hmm. and everywhere in between. And I would say, you know, 30,000 foot view for this is first the priority of it. Is this a priority and the commitment and being congruent? And then you've got down the 15,000 foot level where you're looking at, now we have to look at our people. We have to be looking at the language and the behaviors and the difference between our individual and team Um, What are the differences and how can we create the space so that we can implement a process? Now we're down at the 15-foot level. How can we be implementing the processes? Where is this congruent throughout our processes so that we have something that is sustainable? So I don't know if you want to speak a few words in regards to those three, priority, people, process, leadership, management, and making this stick and be sustainable.
0: Yeah, I'll use the example that uh, Princess Cruises used. I, I thought it was a great example. They were talking about shipboard firefighters and in the recruiting process, there was a standard that was imposed that wasn't a reflection of what the certification standard was once you became a firefighter. So when you do that, you are eliminating a whole class or group of people that can compete for their position because the access standard is higher than what the actual standard for the job is required for. And uh, and so they, they go through a process now in terms of job application and aspirants and valuation as to determine first, when you look at this, and say you're posting a job announcement, and even looking at whether you're uh, Imposing as part of the job requirement a master's degree or a bachelor's degree, let's use that as an example. Is it really associated with job performance and the requirements of being the most productive in the job itself? Sometimes when we classify these requisitions, we just like to add filters, and then we don't understand what the unintended consequences are when you do that, yeah. and you're Anytime you add a filter, you're imposing a barrier, and if if the barrier is really meant to be there to, because it's associated with the absolute requirements of the job, then that's understandable. But when it's imposed because there's a bias involved someplace, and you aren't examining what that bias may be, then it needs to be eliminated, and and you go through a process of determining whether or not it has a direct correlation with the job requirements or not. And if it doesn't, then you look at eliminating whatever that barrier may be. And if it's eliminated, you then look further, okay, what would be the consequences of eliminating the barrier? And it may be very positive. There may be some slight negative things, but it's something that you'll have to weigh doing it. But that's a great example that uh, Princess Cruz used to really demonstrate the importance of going through a process as, you know, just in their recruiting uh, system, and how they go about evaluating jobs. And then if there are imposed barriers that were unintended, that need to be rid of going forward. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, we're coming up on our end time. And uh, I want to mention that those listening can go to our website, our COVID-19 resource page. We created that shortly after the pandemic. And so there's a lot of good information that has been pandemic centric, but we've also um, added on to this article that we're talking about today, a letter to corporate America. And there's a couple of really good podcasts with the author of that, that I think if people took the time to read and listen to that, they're going to have a very good idea of how to move forward if if this is something that they really want to be committed to for long-term impact and sustainability within their organizations. There's going to be an article and um, and podcast that they can listen to that are going to be helpful to them. So, so any other final words, Paul, before we close out?
0: Sure. The chamber of commerce is hosting our quarterly uh, growth club. It's on July 9th and it's in the afternoon, it's three hours, and we're providing still the additional value of six group coaching sessions after uh, the three hours. But th- this is one of the great things that the Chamber's been sponsoring now and hosting. Uh, Lisa and I help facilitate it, but it's an impactful workshop that will really drive you to what your goals ought to be for third quarter to help your overall business plan. So if you're a chamber member, go to the chamber's website, you can look that up, sign up for it. If you're a non-chamber member, you can still attend, uh, but you'll have to go to the website for registration. But great opportunity, again, for especially some of the smaller businesses uh, to attend this uh, workshop.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, thank you. We want to remind everybody to go to onetruenorthcoach.com. Take us up on our offer. On our homepage, you'll see a business health checkup that you can click on and sign up for it. And then visit our One True North. Uh, we have LinkedIn pages. We post a lot on our individual LinkedIn pages as well as our One True North page and our One True North Facebook page. So we encourage you to take action, get involved, and reach out. We're here to help, and we will see you soon. Thank you. See you, folks.